Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. So this whole, maybe that's the world's narrative, but that's not our narrative. Yeah, amen. Right? We do things with excellence and we believe in the God of the Bible, but I brought Miriam, who is our co-director of Revival Kids. Our other co-director is actually serving with Revival Kids. Say, so, yeah, give Brianna. it up for Rob. Yeah, yeah, Brianna. <laughs> and uh, quickly, Miriam was going to share a couple things about Revival Kids that I had asked her to share. And while she does that, I am going to nonchalantly ask my wife to make my glasses see-through. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Um, okay, so. What we do back there, first of all, we make sure, like Pastor said, that everything is safe. We background check people, and we make sure that they've been in the church for at least a year. Um, but we also interview them, and we we take seriously the ministry that we do back there. It's not just babysitting. Amen. You know, we are trying to put foundations down and we believe that kids that give their life to Jesus is not just them saying something the, this is starting their relationship with God Amen. so um, a few Sundays ago we were going over the story of Adam and Eve and the first sin and I'm sure a lot of you guys already know that <laughs> it's a pretty basic story but um, I actually was taking a grad school meta narrative course and it's like the story, the overarching story of the Bible. And so I, we were able to go into detail about a lot of things and break down a lot of concepts in ways that children can understand it. Because a pastor preaches so great here, but he's not doing it. You know, this is an adult level. I mean, he's got his master's and everything. Back there, we try to make things, you know, kid friendly and in a way that a kid can grasp it. Yeah. So we were breaking down the story and talking about, you know, when Adam and Eve, they sinned, they, they disobeyed God, and they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Instead of listening to God and, and allowing him to decide what good and evil was, they decided to take for themselves the knowledge of good and evil. And so we started talking about what would that look like for us, you know? Um, and can we decide sometimes that we know what good and evil is instead of listening to God's definition of good and evil? And we talked about the snake and how the snake came and, you know, told them that, oh, no, God didn't say that or whatever. And one of the kids said, um, you know, well, how do we know? Like, how do we know? And, and so we talked about, you know, you can read the Bible, you can learn God. And yeah, they, they ask real questions and we give them real answers. So we had one of the kids close her eyes and we had two of the volunteers. And I said, okay, ask one of the volunteers a question. And then the other volunteer answered. And then we asked, okay, who answered you? And she got it wrong. And we said, okay, well, if you knew us, if you really knew us, if you spent time with us, you would know our voice and you would know who's telling you Come on. what. Right? Come on. And so one of the kids was like, wow, so it's really important to know God's voice because what if we're listening to the snake and we don't even know? You Come know? On, somebody. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Come on, somebody. Exactly. And so you know, we got around in a circle and I told them, you know, who wants to give their life to Jesus and who wants to decide to let God be king over their life? Come on. 
and allow him to decide what is good and what is bad and to not take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you know and almost all of them raised their hand they all wanted to pray Brianna you know co-director she led them through a prayer to give their life to God and I said you know this is something you got to make a decision every day to allow God to be the king over your life because at any point you know we can decide to take from that tree and so um after that we we decided let's practice hearing God you know like his sheep yeah his, his sheep know his voice but we got to practice right we got to know God we have to have this intimate relationship with God and so yeah an intimate relationship with God and so we put on a song and we had the kids just soak and so they were on the ground and all of a sudden one of the girls like she just opened her eyes and was like whoa and I said what and she's like I just saw like I was in in total darkness and then all of a sudden a door opened up and there was come on. light come on and and I was like amen come on amen yeah and I said well you know what his sheep hear his voice in the bible it says behold I stand at the door and knock and this is Jesus if anyone hears my voice right hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and we'll dine with him and he with me and so she was like wait so this is real and i was like yeah this is real and she was like oh my gosh i want to keep going and so she went back down to soak and then another little girl came up to me and said i saw god Come and on. i was like wow like you know praise god and then she said and he said he opened up his arms and said anna i receive you and i was like wow and i still feel god like wow so yeah just just receive that amen. <laughs> you know amen 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 we're not just playing church back there amen we're not just playing church and uh make sure you turn that off miriam otherwise it'll so um what's also what's yeah yeah amen what's equally good what's equally good is they had that prayer and i think it was that day one girl said one girl or boy, I'm not sure what it was, said, you know, I'm not ready. I don't, I don't know if I want to pray this. And they said, that's because you're stupid. No, they didn't. They said, they said, they said, no, that's, we're not going to make you pray, pray, pray a prayer that you're not, that you're not feeling. We believe the Holy Spirit will lead you in your time. And uh, we believe that for each of you. We believe it from the little kids. The little kids don't get a little Holy Spirit. They don't get a junior Jesus. They don't get a baby Jesus. They get Jesus. Yeah. You know, amen. They, 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 they don't have, they don't have, they don't get a teenage father. They get the grown father who created all of creation. And we're serious about some children's ministry around here because we believe that Jesus is about the kids. Amen? Amen. Give one more clap offering to Miriam Menda. Amen. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 20, if you would. I'm going to read a, a passage out of John chapter 20, and I'm going to talk. <clears throat> I'm not even going to tell you I'm going to talk briefly. I just It's just... And one day I'll have to answer to God for my words. And, and they should all be truthful. <clears throat> John chapter 20. Uh, this is, you know, uh, Jesus has already been raised from the dead. Amen. If you, were, if you were in service last week and you're not familiar with the story of Scripture, if you were in service last week, Jesus is alive now at this point of the story. All right. You know, spoiler alert. Jesus doesn't stay dead. He comes back from the dead. All right. Are you there? All right. So Jesus, uh, John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. And the Bible reads, 
So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, their sins have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands the imprint of his nails and put my finger into the place of the nails I, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas with them, Thomas was with them. Jesus came, excuse me, Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger, see my hands and Reach your, here, your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. You say amen. And Father, we do pray that You would bless the reading and teaching of Your Word today in the holy name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Today we have a couple of really fun things happening. Number one, we are celebrating all of you who serve at Revival Life Church and make this Oh, good job. And make this church work, right? This is how the church is supposed to operate. Second thing we are celebrating is our anniversary. So after service, we're going to have some refreshments outside, hang out, make a friend, invite somebody to lunch. It's even free, by the way. So come in and have some fun. But on this day, as I was praying into this message, I, I, we were a week after the resurrection. And uh, we are, historically, we celebrate our anniversary the week after Easter. We celebrated the first week after Easter, and we have done everything on this day. There were times that we rented bounce houses. We've had huge potlucks. We've done all kinds of things on this day, and that was good for that day, but it's important to understand the time and the season you're in right now. And as I wanted to have this day of celebration, I felt by the Holy Ghost that we were supposed to have a day of introspection and looking forward. Less of a looking back, more of a looking forward. We need to look forward in light of understanding where we are right now, how we got here, and where God wants us to go. And as I was meditating and praying, as God was talking to me uh, over the week, as I have wrestled with the Spirit and wrestled with the Scriptures, uh, I, I, I have an outlet that I like to vent, and I call it Twitter. So I, I, I vent on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, that's where, I, that's where I put lots of my thoughts. I just throw it out there and uh, people ignore them and I just keep putting them out there. But that's what I do. Put up my first graphic if you would. Uh, this is what I've been thinking this week and it was a, it was a Twitter thread. I'm not going to read you the whole thread, but here was the first tweet. It says, the church needs to spend more time studying its bad fruit. Every leadership team comes together to share the wins of the organization. 
I'm now recognizing and studying the bad fruit caused by bad ecclesiology. That's a theology of how we come together as a church. And missiology, that's how we reach outside of the church. So I'm going to read this sentence again. I'm now recognizing and studying the bad fruit caused by bad ecclesiology and missiology in the ministries I have been a part of and led. Thank you. You can take it down. I, I, I am not, um, I'm not into beating myself up. I, I'm, I'm into recognizing I'm now in a new season. and I want this season to be better than the last season. I, I want to do what I need to do in this season to not repeat the mistakes of the past. And as we have talked about Holy Spirit moving us toward our pain so that we can bring healing into the area of destruction, healing into the area of desolation, that we can bring the light in dark places and we can bring life into death. Uh, before we do that for the whole world or while we're doing that for the whole world, we have to be doing it for ourselves. If you're not doing it in your life, you are not reaching the potential you think you are. I said this last week and I meant it uh, emphatically that you are as spiritually mature as your most emotionally immature part of your life. You are not like Jesus is not an escape from your issues. Jesus, I see so many people and I, I had I've had um, great um, divine appointments with people from other churches who come to me and they're so excited about getting into ministry. And then I ask them about some areas of their lives and they're like, well, I'm like, you understand that you will not get into ministry until you focus on this. When you get into ministry, it is your job to help people in their pain. And you can't do that if you've not learned to deal with your pain. If you are running from your pain, all you can do is fake it. And then you will produce fruit of people who are faking it. And that, are, that is not produced disciples. And so you have to be able to be vulnerable enough to say, I am scared to go here in my life. I need to go toward that because that's where I will find Jesus. Good friend of mine oversees, a, um, he's a bishop, and uh, uh, he is going into a church uh, this Sunday. And uh, the pastor who had been a pastor for longer than I've been saved, uh, he has... Many, many churches under him. None of you, I don't believe any of you know this person, but um, the pastor decided to uh, have an affair with his uh, secretary. And, um, and he decided that he's going to stay with the assistant that he's having an affair with, who had an affair with her last pastor. Um, and he's now having to go to this church to try to, to, try to clean it up. And I just, I just called him. I just prayed. I called him and said, you need, to, you need to tell these people that you will find Jesus in the valley. In the hard place, in the darkness, you will find Jesus in the pain. That's where he is. I like being on the mountaintop, but Jesus was rarely on the mountaintop with people. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. He is very rarely on the mountaintop with people. But he is always in their pain. He is always showing up in their struggle. He's showing up in the valley. And if you are avoiding those areas in your life, you are avoiding the real Jesus. And what you are worshiping is the American idol Jesus. You are, you are worshiping the American dream Jesus. You are worshiping a false image of who the real Christ is. If you say, well, when, once I get this breakthrough, once I get that job, once I get that finances, then I'll be at peace. You have made that thing your God. Jesus is living in your pain, and that's where we need to find him. And I, I didn't recognize this because you don't know what you don't know. Amen. Yeah. 
You don't know what you don't know. Uh, but time will teach you. Your pain will teach you what you don't know. Your pride will teach you what you don't know. Because God will set you up with someone who does know. And you will talk out of your pride and they will talk out of their knowledge. And then you will recognize, I don't know what I don't know. And so today, I briefly want to talk about how we as, as a church are, are pivoting. And I have alluded to this. I have taught through it. But I'm going to give a concrete teaching. I'm going to try to be succinct. I'm going to teach a class on this later. But uh, let me start with a story. <clears throat> uh, I, I need to tell my testimony soon. I have not done it in a long time. I won't do it today because it's just too long and messy and crazy and you won't believe me. Uh, but um, but I, I grew up a heathen, right? I grew up um, a sinner. I, I, like, I'm never surprised by anybody's sin. Um, just not because I lived there. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't backslide because you got to be saved to backslide, right? I was just heathen, right? I was just an unredeemed heathen, right? Um, it's nobody's fault. I owned the Bible. I could read, right? I did not live the way of God. Um, and when, one time um, I had an encounter with God when I was very young, uh, when I was eight. And from that moment on, I knew that Jesus was real. I knew he died for my sins. You could say I was saved, but I definitely was not a disciple, right? I was not a follower of Christ, even though I thought I was. And uh, God was calling me. God was calling me to himself, and I knew it, but I had no idea how to connect with him. I bought books. I read books. I, I prayed prayers. I did stuff. But no matter what I did, I could not have what the Catholics would call an epiphany, what we would call a salvation experience, when Jesus Christ becomes alive for me. This is what Martin Luther said. You can believe that Jesus is God, but you need to continue in discipleship until you are convinced that he died for me, that he was raised from the dead for me, until you truly believe that. Much of the world believes that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. Very little in the world know that it happened for them. And I did not recognize that fully for me. And God was calling me, and I moved across the country. I moved from San Diego to Florida, trying to follow the plan of God. I moved from Florida to Washington, D.C., trying to find God. And then I moved from Washington, D.C. to Gainesville. And in, uh, in Gainesville, uh, go Gators, uh, which clearly is, is where God abides. Because the sky is is, is, is orange and the sea is blue. It's, I mean, just, just clearly it's the, it's the university of Jesus, they could call it, if they wanted to. Uh, the one true uh, university. I, 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 I joke. Um, it was the third college I went to, so, you know. Um, so, uh, but I got to the University of Florida, and by no credit to the University of Florida, I got radically saved. I, had, I got, when I say radically saved, I mean, I got... I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was the first person I ever heard speak in tongues. I was the first person I ever see get laid out in the spirit. I'd never seen things. I'd never heard things. I was in a room with people who didn't know what was happening to me as I was crying uncontrollably on fire, speaking in tongues, unable to speak in English. I mean, I got radically, radically converted, radically converted. I got delivered of the devil. I got converted to Christ. I mean, I, I, I literally saw the demons leave my life. Um, and I, I, I was, again, I went from 
darkness to light. I, I, this is what I have been searching for for years. And, and I can honestly tell you, I've not turned back since. I did not have a, 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 a season of my life where I was not a Christ follower. I've had seasons where I didn't follow well, right? But I was never been a time where I wasn't a follower, right? At least wanted to be following, okay? Let me just be honest with you, because I am human. And so I had this powerful encounter with God, this moment, this, 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 this experience where the heavens became thin and the Spirit of God came and touched me and energized my life and my body was trembling and then I began operating in the gifts of the Spirit and I began to see people healed around me and people delivered and giving word accurate, super accurate words of knowledge. And I quickly um, got into ministry and was traveling and all kind of bells and whistles were happening in my life. And for me, I kind of figured this was the way of discipleship. Get people to encounter the Holy Ghost. They become mature believers and walk out their faith. The problem with that sentence is, if you are a pastor, you've heard it already. I thought that I was the model of a mature believer. You see how pride is deceptive. And so if I could just get people to experience what I experienced, and they could be mature like I'm mature. Eee, oh, it just feels ugly to say. And honestly, a big part of my ego doesn't want to tell you that, right? Like, like I, I had this figured out from day one, but of course I, I didn't, right? And so I was trying to make people a disciple in my image instead of the image of Christ. And um, what, 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 what I found out was that I would pray for people who would have just amazing encounters with God. I mean, I'm talking third heaven experiences. I'm talking about prophesying parts of the Bible they'd never seen before, healing the sick, miracles, just all kind of amazing stuff. And slowly but surely, many of them would return, as the Bible says, to their vomit. They would return to the self-destructive patterns that they had before salvation. They would return to the addictions they had before salvation, their hearts weren't converted. And when they felt threatened or they felt jealous, they would try to divide the church. They would be gravitating toward uh, cult leaders. They would be gravitating toward false prophets. And all the time I was like, God, I don't get it. I am praying like I know how to pray. I am laying hands on people like I know how to lay hands. I am casting the devil out of people. And I don't mind casting the devil out of you. I just get tired of casting the same one out all the time. I'm like, why is this back in your life? Like, is, I, and I did not have a good theology of how to help people not get this thing back to why fall back to who they were. And so I saw so many people and what I figured was people just people, they, 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 they didn't grow. They grew in gifts, but they didn't grow in Christ likeness. They didn't look any more like Jesus than they did. They just now have gifts. And they start thinking, and here's what happens. This, here's what happens. When people operate in gifts without the character to maintain them, they start thinking that they're God. They start thinking that they're the one who started this whole thing. They receive the glory, and then they fall and wonder that they can't be restored. And so I, 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 I had to... As this week has been going on, and actually this has been going on for a good nine months now for me. I've been praying through this, but in this week it's been really heightened. And so I said, man, there is bad fruit in this ministry that I have led over the last... I've been, I've been in ministry for over 20 years now. 
And I'm like, there is, there's things that I don't want repeating in this season. Now, every ministry's got fruit that they don't, they don't love, right? My, I, you know, we just had storms come through this last week's been really bad. And there's all kind of fruit from my mango tree that fell off way too early. I'm not cutting down my mango tree, right? Good trees can produce bad fruit at times, right? I understand the Bible allegory, good tree, good fruit, but there's not a tree on the planet that only produces good fruit, right? You're going to raise kids. Some of them are going to listen. Some of them just won't. Some of them are just going to have to learn the hard way, right? And that is painful and you don't want it to happen, but you're like, oh, you'll see what happens, what stupid produces, you will find out what stupid produces, and it is painful. Stupid is painful on purpose. Stupid needs to be painful, right? And so I, uh, I, I, I recognize that, that in the ministry, they're, they're, they're just people who just don't submit to discipleship. They love the gifts. They love the stuff. They love the feelings, but they love their sin. Um, and um, um, I recognize that they, they never actually made Jesus Lord of their life. And, and, and I, in this next uh, season, what we plan on doing is doing something about that. We have been slowly moving in this direction, uh, and I'll talk more about that another day. But I want to give you the framework that we are now operating under as a church and invite you into it. Today is the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, and I am starting a new message series on this subject. And I want you to stick around, just pay attention for this message, because um, I want to answer some questions on how do I not repeat these mistakes Amen. So we're starting this new message series, if you put it up, called The Life. The Life. There are people, there are people who, who follow Jesus and they're excited about a few aspects, but they never live the life. Jesus has ridden, risen. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The disciples are sitting there like, what do we do now? Jesus is like, you live the life. You live the life. You may be asking, you have made Jesus Lord of your life or you've always known about Jesus what is next? And I'm here to tell you what's next is the life. We're not just waiting here to get sucked up into heaven. That is not why you're on earth. You're not waiting for the Antichrist to come and kill all of God's children. That's terrible theology. If you believe that, be free. It's not true. This is not historic sound theology. Right? We could talk about this another day, but it is not true. We're not here on earth while earth is getting worse and we tie a knot at the end of our rope and hold on until Jesus comes and rescues us. It is not what we are here for. We, the we are here to learn and live the way of following Jesus. And we see this all over the New Testament. This is, this is everywhere in the New Testament. Um, one of my favorite theologians, Amos Young, he wrote this. He says, we learn in the Gospel of John that faith is not simply a matter of holding true beliefs or assenting to precise doctrines. As important as that may be, it also includes faithful affections, longings, and trust, as well as faithful willingness to enter into life-giving activity of Jesus. Being a disciple is a holistic abiding in Christ such that his life flows fruitfully through a person's patterns of mind, heart, and body. What we recognize is following Jesus is not just doing a couple things or checking off some boxes. It is a holistic way of living that we live, say it with me, the life. John chapter 14 is what we're kind <laughs> of coming out of here. 
Thomas, who later sees him and puts his hand on the side, says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Listen, the way of Jesus is the way of life. The lifestyle that Jesus lived is the way of life. I talked about this bumper sticker earlier that I have seen on Twitter and on the internet. And uh, it grieves me because there's a large portion of Christianity today that are looking for something other than following the life of Jesus. They're looking to win culture wars or money wars or popularity wars. They're looking for everything other than the servant model leadership of Jesus. The one who left heaven to come to earth, put on a robe, picked up a towel and washed some feet. This is the Jesus that we are to follow, that we're to lay our life down so that we can see what he saw. And as we do this, uh, as we follow the life, I see three main areas. My next graphic, please. What I see, and I'm not going to go into this in depth at this time. Go ahead, put it up if you would. There you go. I see three areas, and we're going to go through this quickly. Uh, I, I see the encounter with God, which I always believed. I believed in the encounter. We can encounter the true and living God. Miriam talked about some children and revival kids encountering the living God. Does that mean we're now going to have them come up here and preach? No. No, we're not. Why? Because they've not matured in Christ. Encounter ain't enough. Encounter is not enough. Leave it up if you would for a moment. I just want to go over it for a second. Thank you. Uh, we have these encounters with God. We need formation. And not just formation, we need countercultural formation because we are being discipled by the algorithms of social media. Social media algorithms are dictating what we see, what we value, and what we love. And if we do not purposefully um, build countercultural algorithms in our mind that we look for God in the earth, we look for God's way, we look for the way of Jesus, if we are not rebranding our brain with the mark of Christ, we're being conformed to this world. And last of all, we have mission. If you think this is about you and God, you have missed what Jesus did, which was come to earth. The whole point of his life was to come for someone else. And as long as you think that, man, if I just get over this anxiety, if I can just get to this point of finances, if I can just get, let me, let me tell you, you'll never get there. Because the way of Christ is the way of mission. Jesus fulfilled his mission on the cross by first discipling the people Jesus, that Father sent him to. Thank you for putting that up. And so I quickly want to go through these three in a way that kind of makes it real in your life, but also you can learn how to be drawn into this and be a true disciple of Jesus. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the encounter. That next slide, please. This encounter. We focus on the encounter at Revival Life Church. We believe in the encounter at Revival Life Church. We are working diligently to get our worship to the place where people are regularly encountering encountering the manifest presence of God in the room. We want to encounter God. We need regular encounters with God. Let me read the scripture here. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. This is the resurrected Jesus from what we read. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, and when the doors, 
were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Let, 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 let me set the scene for you here real quick. I don't want to preach this, but let me set the scene. Your rabbi, your teacher, the one you gave your life to is dead. He had been brutally murdered, brutally murdered for what he taught. And you are his follower. You have been teaching the same thing. You know that you are next. And so you went into your room and you locked the door. And you are terrified. And the door never opens. And Jesus stands up and starts talking to you. The one you watch get murdered. There is a reason that Jesus says peace. Because people are freaking out, right? To, to live the life of a disciple. Like, I believe that every one of these disciples spent like 5, 10, 15 years just overcoming PTSD. Like they just, I do not believe they were superhuman. I believe that these people were freaked out regularly. That's why angels are like, it's okay, don't be scared. Jesus is like, it's okay, don't be scared. The Holy Ghost is like, peace be with you. Like, because they lived, like, I don't know what's happening next. I don't know who's going to kill me. I don't know when the heavens are opening or fire is going to fall. I have no idea when dead people, is that guy really dead or are we going to see him tomorrow? Everything I thought I knew is now gone. My reality has been completely changed. And I need you to hear this. This is what it's like to have an encounter with God. Your reality gets changed. And when he said this, he showed them, verse 20, both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to him, peace be with you. As a father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. He breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus is still breathing on people today and saying, receive the Holy Ghost. He is still baptizing people in the Holy Ghost. And we need the Holy Ghost. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We need the gifts of God. We need the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. We need us to operate in a wisdom that we cannot know on our own. We need an assurance that Jesus is with us even when we don't know He's around. The longer I walk with Jesus, the more I know the ways of the Holy Ghost. And we were having a conversation in pre-service prayer this morning, and someone's like, hey, do you know what's coming up the next six months? And it was a... It was a, it was a um, it was a conversation that kind of shook me a little bit because there was a time where I needed to know specifically. And I was like, it was weird because I, I don't want to kind of humble brag, but I was like, no, but I'm not really concerned about it because I know there's a couple milestones I'm going to hit and I don't know how I'm getting there, but I know that's where I'm going. And so I know like the baptism of the spirit has showed me things to come and I don't know exactly what they are, but I got about three or four things that I'm expecting on the horizon. Most of them are good. And let me tell you, I was in prayer with God the other day and I was sitting there and things were quiet and the Lord spoke something. I'm like, Lord, that's that. I wanted to rebuke the word because I thought it was the devil, but I knew it was the Holy Ghost talking to me, telling me about something bad that was coming. I'm like, well, that's not good. Thank you for letting me know ahead of time because I, I, I don't like learning these things on the fly. Right? Because things are coming. And so I'm walking with God in a way today where the Holy Spirit, I hear his voice like Miriam talked about. And I, and I know what he's speaking. And so I want to I wanna be a person who is being discipled by the Spirit of God to hear his voice. And this is why we need, put it up, regular encounters with God. We need regular encounters with God. When's the last time you cried in his presence? When's the last time you spoke something so personal? 
that you knew it, was, it had to be God. It might have been through someone else. It might have been through your kid. It might have been through the television, if that's even possible. But the Lord just spoke something. We see here that Jesus showed up on the scene. And earlier, Thomas had said, I don't, I don't know if he's really raised. And Jesus showed up just showing his hands without question. Listen, Jesus will come and show you signs of things to come when you know him. When the spirit of God is, is true in your life. He'll speak phrases that you're trying to get away from. And they'll pop up all over the place. You'll be thinking about some sin and then your best friend at the church will give you a call and you're like, oh, snap. God, God knows what I'm thinking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just be real. Come on. You can be real in church. You're like, oh, I'm thinking about this. And then you know the pastor calls or your kids call and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I hear you, Holy Ghost. You're talking to me. This is the life I want to live. And, and yes, I, I put this first in our in our threefold cord, because if you have not encountered God, you need to encounter God. This is, we need, we, you need we need to live life in his presence. We need to be able to lay hands on people and see the sick recover. We need to be able to speak a word in due season. We need to be able to read the Bible through the lens of faith. We need regular. Amen. We need regular encounters with God. How do you do that? How do you do that? How, but, but how? Where, where do I find him, Pastor? Here's what you do. Show up to church and worship. Worship. Worship during worship. Fellowship with other believers. You will be surprised when you read the Bible with someone else how much God will talk to you through them. Now, the more they say, thus saith the Lord, the less you should trust them. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. We, we, have a, we have a leadership mantra around here. We have a lot of prophetic people in this church. You get one thus saith the Lord a year. Make it, make it good. One a year. If every word you give is thus saith the Lord, probably most of them aren't. Right? Ministry is God speaking the divine word through a flawed vessel. Bringing eternal truths through a temporal person. Something that is passing away. And we got to recognize every word you give is part you. And so we, 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 need, to, we need to recognize, hey, you know, I kind of heard this, thought I thought saw that. Look at this in the scripture. I just, I'm really stuck on this. How about you? Yeah, that's God talking to me, right? We, we, we need to have these Christian relationships where people are challenging one another. And so we fellowship with other believers. We, we enter into prayer. We need to have a daily devotional life of prayer that is based on praying the Psalms, praying the Lord's Prayer, expecting God to show up in the room. I like to soak, as Miriam said. I like to just put on music and just sit still and meditate on Jesus. I love that. But you have to balance that with the Word. Otherwise, people have all kind of weird encounters. And I'm like, ain't none of that Jesus. That, that's called hallucinations, right? Like that is, Bible calls vain imaginations. This is all... Like, no, you didn't do any of those things. I had a, no, I'm going to tell you the story. I wasn't planning on it, but I'm going to tell it anyways. <clears throat> um, his pastor friend, I know whose mother was, excuse me, his father was in the hospital dying. And he had been suffering with a terminal disease for a very long time. And uh, a woman came up to him and said, hey, I was praying. And I had a vision. The Lord took me into your father's hospital room. And, uh, and I saw in the hospital room, Jesus was in the hospital room, 
And Jesus laid hand on your father and your father was completely healed. It was all gone. Don't react to that yet, please. It's like he was completely healed and they released him. And the guy said, that's wow, it's amazing. When when was that? And they said it was yesterday at two in the afternoon. He goes, oh, I was in there. What was I wearing? I was in there at two in the afternoon. Did you see me in the room? What was I wearing? Oh, I didn't see you. Sister, you wasn't in the room. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your intercession. I appreciate your desire to see my father healed. But you weren't actually there. And so I'm not putting my hope in a false prophecy. I will believe that you prayed for my father. And I am anointing him with oil, believing that the prayer of faith will save those who are sick. And I am believing God for a miracle. But I refuse to put my hope in your imagination. I'm putting my faith in the Word of God in Jesus Christ. And so I appreciate what you have done, but we have to balance it with a little bit of common sense. Amen? Not every fantastical word is prophecy. And, and the more words I get, the less I know are from God. But I really value the ones that I know are from God. Are, are you with me? I believe in prophesy. I've prophesied over half this room probably. I don't know, at some point in your life, I've given you a significant word. But... I've got off a couple times too and I've had to repent. But we need to be in the presence of God. Honey, I'm going on a, on a side quest there. Like, Sorry about that. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. All right, so prayer and we need to study. This is where we have fallen short as a church. We need to study the Bible. Put it up if you would one more time, that list. We need to study the Bible until we understand what's going on. Let, let, me, just, I, I, let, me, let me just try to, I'm going to try to convey this. I want you to get this. I want you to, I'm going to, I hope you catch this because I can't teach it. Uh, I went to, um, I got radically touched by the Holy Ghost and I would see like anything you ever saw weird in charismatic church. I loved it. I loved all the weird stuff. I loved it even when I knew it was weird because I knew people were excited, right? It's like, it's like when teenagers in high school, they start dating and they act weird like they go on a first date and they buy like two dozen roses and a massive teddy bear. You're like, that's weird, bro. But that's what you do, right? That's what, that's what you do in puppy love, right? You think like, I'm going to live, I'm going to be with them forever. And you do weird stuff, right? And so immature people did weird stuff. And I was all right with it. I'm like, you know, let the children play, right? And that's, that's, that's not a problem, right? The children are playing in Christ. That's, I was okay with that. Um, and, 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 and people would talk about the weird stuff. And I'd be like, you know, I've been healed in the weird stuff. I've encountered God in the weird stuff. I'm okay with the weird stuff. And uh, then the weird stuff got more weird. And then the weird stuff turned people into weird celebrities. And then weird celebrities in Christianity started getting rich off people who believed they were really hearing God. And I said, there's a problem. And so I didn't know what to do about that. And then around that time, I entered grad school. And in grad school, I had to actually study the Bible at the master's level. And as I got my Master of Divinity, uh, I learned how to study the Scriptures, and I, my, my library has increased. And then, as I submitted to my professors, as I submitted to people who did not care if, if, if Sister you know, Flag Waver uh, was the happiest person in church, he's like, I, 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 uh, what, what, what theologically, what do you think is really happening when they say this? I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Theologically, what is happening in this prophetic word that was wrong? Theologically, biblically, where does this go? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, well, if you're going to pastor people, you better figure this out. And so I said, well, I, I'm, going, I'm going to submit to that word. And so I submitted, 
And I started actually studying the Scriptures. And as I studied the Scriptures, I got less weird and I got more Pentecostal. I, I, see, I see the Holy Ghost doing more good stuff than I ever saw, but I see Him doing less weird stuff. I'm more Pentecostal now than I've ever been in my life, but I'm less New Age Christian than I've ever been in my life. Now, and here's what I'm trying to go with this. Now, in the morning, I sit down and I read the Bible. And I don't choose what I read. I read through a reading plan that a big portion of the church is reading. Uh, It goes through the Bible in two years. And I read the Bible and I try to figure out what it means. And I study it and I open my books and I journal and I study and I research Greek. And as I'm sitting there, I got to just tell you this, as I'm reading it, the Lord starts talking to me through the scriptures in a language I never knew before. It's like I sit down, I open my journal, I get the pen that I journal with, I open my scriptures, I get my commentaries, I get my Bible dictionaries, I get my stuff, I, I, I pray, and then like eternal truth starts to make sense. It's like Jesus is in the room showing me, it don't got to be weird. This is, how, this is how I've always been. This is, this, is, this is the eternal God. You see, so much of our charismatic camp has reduced the Bible to a book of spells. You might think that you're in Narnia. You might think that you're in a Harry Potter movie. This... This is not Mordor, right? Like we don't, we don't open the book and find the sentence that's going to unlock the spell that we're looking for. I'm like, what, what, what religion are we following here? People are like, no, pastor, this. I'm like, have you read the full chapter that comes in? Because the sentence you just quoted means the opposite of what you think it means. You're putting words in God's mouth. And when you tell somebody God's going to do this, when God said he's going to do the opposite, you've become a false prophet. And that is not profitable for the church. But what I want to tell you is when I sit in the word and I say, I have to be conformed to what this says. All of a sudden, he's there actively working in that word to transform me. This is why I preach through the lectionary. This is why I don't come up with what I preach every week. I have to sit here and figure out what the Bible means this week and present it to you. We are being walked through the word so we can be transformed by it. And the majority of the friends that I have in ministry, not the majority, but a good portion, they think up something and then they look for Bible to confirm what they think and they teach it. And that's great if you were Jesus. The problem is we're not. So we need, we need, put up the next, put up the next slide if you would please. So we need counter-cultural formation. We need counter-cultural formation. It, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going longer than I wanted, but um, let me say this. There today, there in our country, is, uh, I'm going to say this so carefully, because this is not a political statement. I, I, I don't, I need you to hear this. The media wants you to think that politics is the most important thing going on. And politics is is as important as where your food comes from. And it's as important as how you get electricity, which is important as how we teach our kids. Like, it's just a thing among lots of things. They want to make... We have no king in this country. And Jesus is my king. But the media is discipling you. 
They are forming you to believe that the president is some sort of religious leader, and that is contrary to the scriptures. That is actually antichrist. That is an antichrist spirit. During, during uh, the leading up to World War II in the 1930s, there's a theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer you may or may not have heard of. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a German theologian who was wound up being uh, murdered by the Nazis. And he started what was called the confessing movement. And he came up with the term cheap grace. Have you heard of cheap grace? You ever heard of that before? And what people now say cheap grace is, like, I got saved, but I'm not serving God. That's not... Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his group came up with this term. And this term, cheap grace, is you are a Christian, but you're not willing to tell the government that you are not my king. Jesus is my king. You're going through cheap grace. You refuse to stand up and say, your political system is not my kingdom. Jesus is my king. See, this is what, this is what the disciples came across in Rome. This is why they were murdered by the Romans. They refused to say that Caesar is their king. They said that only Jesus, only Adonai, only the one true God is our king. And we have no king but him. The Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And today we have that antichrist spirit trying to get us to worship a politician. And in Germany, they murdered people for not saying Adolf Hitler is my king. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, hey, we're starting the confessing movement. And if you won't confess that Hitler and the party is not your king and only Jesus is, you got cheap grace. You're willing to be saved, but you're not willing to serve Christ. And so today we're doing the same kind of thing. It's, it's bizarre and it's weird, but we need to be conformed to Christ. We need to be conformed counter to the culture that is discipling us. Like I said, TikTok, that algorithm like, I was telling my wife last night, I don't know if you're not on TikTok, bless you, you are highly favored among men. But, but they got the same thing on reels, they got this all over the place. Like, I'm afraid, is, will anybody admit that they actually use TikTok? Will anybody in the room? Yeah, if you pause on it, like, I, like I watch it sometimes, and you got to like really quickly scroll, because if you wait on a video too long, now you're getting 50 videos of that thing. Like, I stopped on two golf videos, and now they think I want to be a golf pro. I'm like, I don't want to see golf videos. Please stop. I have a relative who is um, a teenager, and, uh, you know, I, I look at some of her videos. She gets, like, three followers, you know, so I like them. To, I'll be the fourth. And now I get inundated with 14-year-olds. I'm like, I'm not trying to look at 14-year-olds on TikTok. <laughs> I'm just trying to see my niece. That's all I'm trying to do. Please make it stop. Make it stop. But you got to recognize your kids and you are being discipled by an algorithm. And that algorithm knows you better than you know you. Someone recently said, oh, these weird things popping up on my TikTok. I'm like, the algorithm knows what you're looking for. Don't complain about what's showing up in your feed. You looked at this. You're telling on your own self right now. <laughs> You're telling on your own self. And just people have checked out and just allow a Chinese programmer to dictate this algorithm that is discipling you. I mean, a couple years ago, you either thought that COVID was killing nobody or if you were in the same city as COVID, you were going to die based on your algorithm. All common sense went out the door. 
based on an algorithm. Like, I don't want to go down that road, but we, we, we need to be formed on purpose, counter to the cultural that is forming us. We have to recognize what the culture is trying to do to us. And we have to purposefully live who we're supposed to be. Here we see this in John chapter 20. Again, we're going to continue with our story. Jesus said to the disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, their sins have been retained. Thomas was not with them. And so the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, until I see him with the hands imprints of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails, put my hand in his side, I will not believe. See, Jesus came teaching something other than the natural kingdom. Jesus is teaching us to live a life that is different than the American dream. Now, I want you all to make more money than you know what to do with. I really, I really pray that you do. But many of you, I pray it doesn't happen because it will destroy you. It will, it will destroy you. Some of you with addictions know if I had enough money, I would be dead. I'm just too poor to overdose. Some of you are married because if you have more money, you would run out on your spouse. So, so some of you, if you just had more success in life, you wouldn't pray anymore. You better figure out what is leading your life. What is sitting on the mountaintop of your ethos? What is your ethical system based on? And I hope it's based on what Jesus prizes. Jesus doesn't mind if you have money. Jesus has a problem if money has you. And if your life is lived for money, the Bible says that this is a bad way to live. Money is a terrible master. It's, a, it's an amazing tool, but a terrible master. And so if you have the gifts and talents to make money, you need to cry out to God to give you character to manage it. If you're able to lay hands on the sick and then recover, cry out to God that you have the character to manage it. If you're able to lead music and lead people into unity, you need to cry out to Jesus to have the character to manage that gift. Because I've, Amen. Because I've seen so many worship leaders get this kind of applause and think people are clapping for them. And they fall. I've just seen it so many times. We cannot allow the world to disciple us. The te- Jesus is teaching the way of the kingdom. And we need to learn how to see the invisible kingdom of God. Thomas's mind had not been renewed. So for him, the fact that Jesus was resurrected is something that he just, I just can't believe. Because I am still trapped to the ways of this world. I'm trapped not being able to see things the way Jesus sees them. I want to live a life that believes that all things are possible for him who believes. Amen. I want my life to be founded on something other than what my bank account looks like or how many people are talking well about me or how popular I am. And God forbid your ego is based on clicks and likes. That same algorithm that pushes you will ghost you. But we have a God who will never leave or forsake you. Amen? Watch this. Chapter 20, or excuse me, verse 26. It says, after eight days, disciples Jesus were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came. <laughs> the doors had been shut. I love that little thing there. The doors were shut, but Jesus was there. Let me tell you, ain't ain't a door in the world that's going to keep Jesus out when he's trying to get in. Like, I'm blocking Jesus. No, you're running. You ain't blocking nothing. 
He is the Lord. So the doors have been shut and stood in the midst and peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands. And then he said, here's my side. Put your hand in it. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you've seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet follow. Let me tell you what's amazing about Jesus. Jesus today is still telling people, come and see. He is still saying, come and see. Jesus didn't, he didn't just leave us, he didn't leave us Father, Son, and Holy Bible. He left us the Holy Ghost, and you will see Jesus at work in your life. You will see Jesus prove himself to be alive to you. Not necessarily by doing what you want him to do. But he, he is still calling people, come and see. Come and see the life that I give you. Come and live the life that you would live the life. Come and experience the life. He said to Thomas, watch, I know that you don't have much faith. I will come and come down to your level so you can see that I'm alive. And for those people out there who do not know Jesus, have not met him, he still is alive today. And now let me follow this before I move on. I started off with the encounter. I started off with the encounter with God, and then I talked about spiritual formation. But I also know those people who are willing to submit themselves to spiritual formation will lead themselves into an encounter with God. If you will choose to live the way of Jesus, if you will study his word and you will be a part of his community and you will allow yourselves to carry on the ethos of Christ, Christ will show up in your life. There's no formula to meeting Jesus. There's no formula to salvation. He may show up and save you, then you get water baptized and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He may show up after you've already learned His Word. There's a leader in our church who was reading the Bible one day and Jesus jumped out the Bible and saved her. And you may, there, there, is, there is no formula to how this works, God. I was in a church service, living in sin, saying stuff, and the fire of God fell on me and I began speaking in tongues. And I later answered an altar call and said, oh, I better give my life to Jesus. It is how he wants it to be. And so I'm giving you these three things, but they can go in any order. We need to emphasize all three. Let me tell you what Warren Wiersbe said, who's a, 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 a longtime theologian, Bible commentator. He says, Jesus seems to make a distinction between salvation and discipleship. Salvation is open to all who will come by faith, while discipleship is for believers willing to pay a price. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ, while discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. Many people have come to the cross and did not follow Jesus after the cross. You will grow in Christ as you choose to be a follower. How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you go this way of discipleship? This is what we're going to be focusing on going forward. But let me just give you a couple real quick. Number one, discipleship. Put up my list if you would, please. Discipleship. We submit our lives to someone else. No one runs your life. But if you are making life-changing decisions without godly counsel, I feel sorry. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that you have been left alone and not able to access the resources God has for you. I'm sad. I'm sad because this is not the way you should be living life. You should not have to make life-changing decisions on your own. You, you study the Bible. What does this scripture have for my life? Now, some of them, you're just going to learn the ways of God. You're not going to smite anybody. 
You're not calling down fire on any cities. You're not going to do any genocides in Jesus' name, right? Like, so there's things that we're not going to do. You won't be David. You're not Samson. And you're not Ruth. I'm sorry for all those who've gotten prophecies that you're going to be like Ruth or Esther or David. We're believing for prophets who know more Bible characters, right? Like, than these four. I'm sorry. The way of discipleship, put it up, please. Choosing love. When it's easy to choose hate. Choosing love. He said, whoever sins you forgive will be forgiven. That means like your neighbor's sin is part of your responsibility. We can't just say they're going to hell. We have to choose love. And we need to learn to serve. We need to learn to serve. Let me ask you this question. How many of you wish at seven, eight years old, you saw Jesus and had an encounter with people who could teach you what was happening and how to hear his voice. Don't, don't you wish? Don't you wish? Don't, I never met anybody who got saved who didn't wish it to happen earlier. Every person I meet who gets saved, I wish it happened earlier. But let me tell you, as we're enjoying the worship today and we're enjoying this word, there's some people who aren't hearing the word and aren't in worship and they're back there making that happen. Who do you think gets a greater reward in heaven? Oh, pastor, I, I, I don't want to miss the word. Apparently, you need to hear it because you don't know how to put it in action yet. You're here as a child. I get that. But we need some maturity to come forth. And maturity means that it's my job to serve. If you've not come to the revelation that is your job as a believer to serve, we're going to have an altar call for salvation at the end of service. We're having a water baptism in several weeks, right? Like it's time to become a Christian. Christians serve the body. It's what we do. In this house, we're, going to have a, we're having a celebration of everybody who volunteers. Every ministry in this church needs people to serve. You should be serving somewhere. Period. Amen. Love you, Jesus. Please love me. Do you still love me? Because you have to to go to heaven. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you want to be great, y'all want to be great, serve. Serve people who don't deserve it. Serve some people. And kids don't deserve it because they're obnoxious, right? I just, it is what it is. Holy Jesus loves them though. And so I need countercultural spiritual formation to love them. Last thing, if you would put up my last slide here. We need to be on mission. Put it up if you would, please. We need to be on mission. Not just mission, sacrificial mission. Not just sacrificial mission, sacrificial mission in the ways of justice. Sin and people living in sin is unrighteous, which is the same word as an absence of justice. They did not get what Jesus paid for for them. And if you go like, you know, when you, you know, when you broke and you go to the buffet and you eat way too much food, you're like, I, I need two meals worth right now, right? I need everything because I'm hungry. I need to feel like I got $11 worth of food, right? <laughs> right? The same point, you go, to, you go to a restaurant and your fries don't show up. You're like, um, I wouldn't really plan on eating them, but I didn't get the fries. I need the fries. It is not right. Like I need what I paid for. All of what I, not more than what I paid, what I paid for. I need all of it, right? You want it all. Jesus deserves it all. And the people he gave his life for deserve it all. 
We are to live lives of righteousness and judgment in the, excuse me, righteousness and justice in the earth. We need to be doing acts of justice that are counter to what this world is. What does that look like? That looks like the sinner trapped in addiction who deserves to go to hell uh, because they have taken advantage of their family. You go and tell them that Jesus has paid the price for their addiction and they now are owed heaven. We need to be on mission. Here's what Jesus, this is at the end of the Gospel of John. He says, therefore, verse 30, many signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you, have, you may have life in His name. Ben, if you would come up. Matthew said, I did all, excuse me, John said, I did all this work as a mission. This was a missionary endeavor for me. I did all of this writing that to this day we are eating of. Because Matthew, excuse me, I've been watching The Chosen, I've been focused on Matthew. Because John, because John chose to be a missionary in his writing. John chose to say, I'm going to serve a generation that I may not see. We need to be on mission, transforming South Florida for the glory of Jesus. We need to transform South Florida for the glory of Jesus. I want to invite you to be part of this here at Revival Life Church, being a part of what we're doing here, serving in our ministries, taking part in our outreaches of feeding the poor, of feeding the hungry, of ministering to prisoners. You may, you may, your ministry may be you come early and you set up this place and you make coffee for the day. Your, your ministry may be you work the sound team, you're an usher. You may have heard what's happening in Revival Kids and your heart came alive. God is calling you on mission. How do you do this? Real quick, couple. You share, put it up please, you share the life. Jesus has given you a new life. You're to share it with people who don't know Him. You're to invite people into a place that they can learn the life. Live generously. There, there is a biblical principle that we talk about every service. That when you meet someone else's need, all of a sudden your need becomes God's need. And when you're faithful in your finances to the house of God, all of a sudden your finances are sanctified by God. Serve your community. Serve your Revive Life Church. Serve in your neighborhood. That could start with you when you walk your dog. Pick up after your dog. Don't be nasty. That could start with like when you're in the restaurant and you're listening to your phone full blast. I don't know, using earbud. Start living for other people sacrificially. And this is a challenging one in South Florida. Resist greed. Be aware of greed in your life. Man, in South Florida, we live in a community where no one's allowed to look older than 25. And you can't be less than a millionaire. And it's not reality. You need Botox. You need fake Learjets. Nothing is real. Nothing is real. 
This is not the way of Christ. Resist the temptation to be greedy. Resist the temptation to be better than the people around you. You be the best you, and that is enough. Amen? My last graphic, if you would please. This is what we're looking for. Where it all comes together. The encounter, formation, and mission. When we live them all in equal portion, we start living, say it together, the life. The life, the way of Christ. This is what we want. Theologians call it the cruciform life. A life transformed to look like the cross. This is where we're going. This is who we want to be. We want to be disciples of Jesus, serving one another, serving God. This is what we want. And I want to invite you today on this. I want to invite you today to make a decision. I'm not going to have an altar call because um, I don't feel led to do that. But I do feel called to give you an opportunity to sign up for the life. Um, when I was looking for God, when I was looking for Him and I didn't know where to find Him, I didn't know what I was missing, but I knew I was missing something. I knew, I knew, I knew there was an aspect of my creation that I didn't know. And the Bible teaches that life begins with knowing the Father. That's just the beginning. And there's a whole world out there who is living based on the algorithm. You have grown men married to beautiful women who are looking at those girls on TikTok, making that the example. You know how I know this? I get spam texts and emails and Instagram notifications all the time with fake women who are about 15 years younger than me saying, hey, didn't we meet at that bar? And I'm like, no, man in China or Nigeria. We didn't meet in that bar. And they always, uh, they always include, like, it's so like, I'll look at my Instagram and I'll have like 15 like pictures by a girl who's my daughter's age, who's already had plastic surgery and is now following me. I'm like, this is not real. This is, I'm, I'm sober-minded enough to know, you know, I'm good enough looking, but, you know, people wouldn't actually do that. These aren't real people. But why are they doing that to me? Why? Because that is what men my age are looking for. Because they have been tricked by the algorithm to think that's what beauty looks like. No, thank you. I'll take the woman who stood with me for 22 years through every season of my life. When I was on top of the mountain, she stood next to me. And when I thought my life might be better if I was dead, she was standing next to me. Ain't a thing you got for me that's going to be better than that. Ain't a thing you got that's going to be better than that. No, thank you. No, sir. Eh, no. no, thank you. And if you got to put yourself out to a guy like me, you ain't all that great. If I'm the best you got, nah, I'm good. No, thank you. I'll stick with this one right here, the one, the Lord Jesus, like, the one who prays for me. 
the one who gets words of knowledge to encourage me when I didn't even tell her I'm going through something. Like, I will pick that. Thank you very much. And she's pretty. Come on. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, I'm quite satisfied. I'm 52. I feel like I'm just, we're just getting started, right, honey? We're just getting started. And I'm going to say this for the old heads, for the old heads in the room. Me and my wife going to the New Edition concert. People don't even know who they are. And we're like, heat, sweat, guy. Come on, you don't know nothing about that. You don't know no Teddy Riley. How am I going to take you to see New Edition? How, how am I going to take you? You don't know the dance every little step I take. Like, you don't know that. You don't know nothing about that. That's new to you. That's new to you. I'm going to even watch Fat Bobby sing. It's all right. Bobby's, Bobby's, see, someone knows what I'm talking about. Thank you. Thank you. You feel me. That's my people right there. He's struggling for breath. I still love him. I couldn't do it. I'm, you know, I get you. Here's what I'm saying. Because I have allowed my mind to be discipled in the word on what beauty looks like. 